Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And joining us today is uh, all of our longtime friend, Aaron Dilloway. Hey, guys. What's up, Aaron? Hi. Yay, hi, welcome. And, uh, it's exciting. It is. Psyched to have you on. Yeah, at last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely something we've been wanting to do for a while, so glad, uh, glad we got to make it happen. And glad we got to do this very strange and farthest in the past record we've done yet on the podcast. Yeah, it's a it's it's been a while since I've listened to the full record. Mm-hmm. And it's a, there's a couple pieces on there I go back to constantly like probably a few times a year. And uh but uh yeah, it's been a while. So it's cool it cool. Fun. So cool. And the record we're talking about is the Sounds of New Music compilation on the legendary Folkways label. A label I am uh, certain that Dillaway introduced me to way back in the early 2000s. So this one makes perfect sense to sit here and talk about, and it's also just like a perfect Dillaway pick, I think. No, we were all like, absolutely, that's what we got to do. Yeah, we're like, this is great. This is perfect. (laughs) Had you guys heard this album before? Honestly, no. I had not heard this. I don't think so. I mean... I, I feel like there's the pieces. John Cage track sounded really familiar. Yeah. And and like, um, you know, obviously familiar with some of the composers and stuff mm-hmm. on the record. But this yeah. actual comp, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I've ever listened to. So awesome. So super cool, cool to to uh, to dive into it. Super psyched. But as always, we get started with that recent listening. Who should yeah. we start with? Gray? what do you think? Should we start with our guests or should we start with you? Well, or should we start with us? I don't know. Let's we just... start with Gray, because <laughs> oh, I bet man. he's prepared. You know I feel oh, like oh, he's oh. ready. Then we can all get ready yeah. while he's doing yeah. it. Actually, I got some stuff. I got You've some stuff. listening to nothing? No, I listen to, <laughs> to things all day. Uh, let's see. I don't know that I have as much to say about stuff as usual. I've been just kind of blasting stuff here in the studio, but uh, Dead Body Love Maximum Dose and Dead Body Love yes. Lo-Fi Power Carnage. I've been getting some heavy, heavy play here. Uh, couldn't be two more different Dead Body Love records in terms of like fidelity and zone and approach. Like they both rule, but they're they're definitely different, even being uh, relatively close together in in age. Uh, Heat signature dehumanization in process in on oxen. It's a uh, Luke Tandy who used to do uh, Being uh, Skeleton Dust Records. Uh, just great. Great harsh noise, nice texture, good stuff. This morning I listened to uh, the new Striations tape, Campaign of Cruelty. Oh, wow. Really nice, nasty stuff. Some uh, some samples from sort of like the Road Death Wait. era stuff and the uh, the more like serial killer sort of Sodosian realm of power electronics. I'm, f- I'm forgetting more now, so if I remember I'll say it as we go, but... Uh, what about you guys, Connellys? Uh, we've still been in the uh, uh, big grunt splatter zone. Absolutely. And then specifically, though, uh, we pulled out the Blunt Force Trauma Bled Out CD, the Death Pile Grunt Splatter oh, collab man. CD. Dude, it it's is hard. so, so <laughs> I, good. I, I, that has a really rough a cover, man. <laughs> no, I remember when it, yes, it came yes. out, I think think right around or at least i got a copy of it right around the time leo was born oh it no it's a rough rough yeah. and like yeah. it's super harsh if i remember the cover correctly yes. it's yes yeah. yeah you you remember it yeah it's, yeah i was just yeah. Uh, yeah that was that was a rough one. <laughs> yeah but i mean the, the it's it's the noise is it's actually pretty in, a pretty incredible noise album it's very like it moves around a lot it's it's there's a lot of different areas it goes in it's not actually as just total like in the red you know like tear your face off as it may like mm. as the cover seems and as even the oh, name the seems. cover is so brutal but it, it is actually very like there's a lot of cool details in it there's a lot of cool spaces it goes uh it's a great one mm. and then we've still been in a big contagious orgasm zone and we've been listening to the uh voltage control filter cd um 
that's really cool and really cool packaging, really cool contagious orgasm zone. Definitely in yeah. the similar zone as Confession of Mannequin. We just keep saying we just like these like private atmospheric spaces, yeah. like while everybody's isolated, so you can create like your own personal atmosphere within yeah. your home. Yeah, and Contagious Orgasm does that beautifully. Yes. So those, are, I would say, actually, those are the two uh, two albums we've been listening to a lot uh, in this past mm-hmm. week. Uh, Gray, did you find some more stuff, or should we move on to Gray went a looking Dillaway? I did oh, dig up a couple more, actually a lot more titles that I've been listening to. I knew I said I'm oh, in the stack somewhere. Oh, a lot. Yeah, okay, well, uh, let's see. I already talked about Dead Body Love. So I followed that up with the Cherry Point Black Witchery CD, which is in that Tronics special, uh, which I released one of the CDs. It's the first one on here, Virgin Witch. Uh, I, I taught myself to screen print to make the covers for that because three-inch cases I was using weren't available anymore. I remember that. Oh, I remember, yeah. I remember when you did that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when you did that. You, you, you guys should all remember that one. Yeah. Um, I think we've all dabbled a little. Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, this one sounds even better than ever. In fact, the Virgin Witch was like super nasty and harsh, but then Devil's Witch released on Audiobot and Season of the Witch on Fargon, all collected on this and mastered by Thomas Garrison. The other two tracks have a more space vibe to them and are a little weirder like the first track is true like cherry point harsh nastiness and uh the other two get a little spacier and they they rule is actually just a really really engaging listen uh if you couldn't tell i grabbed some pack rec stuff from that sale so uh yeah. i had this you didn't one have them all no I, ha- I had this one and i couldn't find it there's like you know these slipcase cds are like Yes. Those are the Somewhere. those are the easiest cases to lose. We and it's like yeah. you still have them. Just they're like receipts. Yeah, we yeah. just found <laughs> the our, receipts of noise. Ex- dude, exactly. I mean, we were going through a box and just inches. found a bunch and found the uh, Black of the Jesus CD yeah. that graded, which is also like in a, and yeah, yep. those things were gone for fifteen oh, years. I think we already know? lost them. Did it have yeah. the the vellum? Yes, fourteen still, thing on yeah, it. Or, still had it. Still yeah, had I, it I think mine's still intact. Hell yeah, yeah. It, it's a great one. It's a really good one to revisit. Uh, sewer election, sex, death tape. Also, uh, or sorry, CD originally a double tape, but on uh, on pack rec. Uh, killer stuff from sewer election. Uh, I love the new zone that Dan has taken the project with sort of the music concrete tape music stuff. But this the harsh stuff really, really sings. Uh, and speaking of harsh stuff, oh boy, Lasse Marhog, The Great Silence. Also in that set, uh, Lasse stuff sounds better than ever right now. Super, super nasty noise electronics. Uh, named after a movie that I know probably all of us love. Great Silence, uh, fantastic movie. Klaus Kinski uh, in a killer western. Scorbucci, right? So... I guess you know what you're getting into in for. And then uh Ordo Equilibrio Reaping the Fallen the First Harvest, which we've been listening yes, we've been listening to so that a much lot as of well. them. Yeah, you guys had mentioned uh that you've been jamming Ordo Equilibrio, so I threw this one on on Cold Meat Industry and oh man. It scratches that itch for ritual ritual industrial, but with uh you know, it's got some vocals. It's got some uh, like actual lyrics and s- slightly more song structure. It's closer to like a Moon Lay Hidden than early in Soft or something. But it's it really definitely straddles that line and really good stuff. Great disc. Uh, that was my recent listening. Sorry for cutting back in. <laughs> cool. No, ne- never um, a problem. Connelly's, uh, you still got some more stuff? No, we we ran through it while you were looking yours. So you're gonna hear it when you listen back to the uh, to the episode. Well, guess so. what? It's really cool. All hive mind. We're not even. Yeah. All hive yeah. Mind. <laughs> yeah. Only. Yeah. You. You. Absolutely <laughs> done. What, we're not even done with mine yet. Oh, shit. oh, 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 so, oh, my. How's that for an anti segue? Only only other thing I listened to. This is I didn't even know this existed until I was on a discog shopping binge, uh, which, I, I, you know, AKA daily. It's don't let's not talk about it. Francisco Lopez and Scott Arford did a double CD together. <laughs> I. I've been on such a Lopez kick and I always love Scott's work, you know, radio song and, and his current stuff. Um, and this is called solid state flesh, solid, solid state flesh, solid state sex. Uh, Lopez being flesh and Arford being sex. And it's a really cool double CD. <laughs> like 
I don't know. I'm just I'm just a sucker for the Lopez stuff lately, like all of it, and then hearing uh, another Arford disc I didn't know with. Man, it's it's crazy the kind of tonality and the the weird range he gets and the uh, especially Arford stuff. I mean, I talked about Lopez the last like five episodes, but Arford stuff, the depth of the sound he gets from such weird sources and the sort of flow and vibe and then weird interruption like channel switching stuff you get is really really cool so i don't know is love he, scott stuff is he in la he's in san or francisco SF. It's sf right san francisco or oakland i can't remember but he's yeah he's up in the bay area uh occasionally grab a tiki drink together whenever i'm up there and uh always happy to see him but this uh, also just a huge fan for years so it's uh this this one's really cool didn't know it existed and happy to have it in the collection now now i'm really done <laughs> with my recent listening aaron what have you been playing um let's see i've been going up to the attic and trying to clean it up a little bit and so i i was going through some old tapes and i i know we Gray and I chatted about this one. Oh yeah, we talked about which is this uh, Nicodemus and Matches collection, um, which I guess I didn't realize that like no one else I know has this. I, I feel like that's true of all the Nicodemus tapes. Is that no one has them? They like don't Ooh. don't exist. Yeah, like they, they you know um, he made. 20 of them took him to a record store and, and that's all that were there. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And then maybe but he'd make another 20 next week with five different songs on it and then some of the same songs. And then that was a th- an addition. Yeah, it's cool. It I, cool. I guess, but it's got the uh, Land of Bosco from Matches's mm-hmm. 45. It's got part two, which is just like it just seems like a, a different mix of it or something. But um, that was a fun one to check out. Um, that's on the Out to Lunch 45. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's the B side on that. Cool. Um, pulled that out because I forgot I had it. The Texas Chainsaw Dope Fiend. Just probably been mentioned on the dude. The side A fucked, side B devil worship. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I forgot (laughs) is that it's got all those samples from uh, Eugene from Decline of Western Civilization. Oh, I've I've seen haven't listened to it in a while. Don't remember. Yeah, you, it's you this, it that 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 the bald kid, right? The young kid. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I yeah. hate cop. No, no, yeah. he, that's the other guy. Which one was it? Oh, he's like, yeah, fucking old people. And yeah, buses stink. And yeah, he's great. <laughs> so, classic. Fuck. You know, I, I bought that tape. I remember I bought it from the relapse sale when they were like clearancing noise titles. Oh wow! Wow, <laughs> killer like That's three dollar cool. Dave wow. Gilden tape grip. <laughs> um, I've uh, been going through all the I you know I don't know the names of them even like, but uh, all the Creode stuff. Have you guys kept up with Creode? I no. don't know it's, what um, Creode is. Tyler and and uh, Sam out in uh, Michigan. Um, they're. Everything no, they do. Oh, oh yeah. God. You guys got to check it. Samantha and uh, and Tyler. Really? Everything yeah. they do is just. I remember them. Is awesome. Killer. Uh, nice. And uh, so I've been just, I, I've gotten a bunch of their stuff over the years. I've been throwing a lot of that stuff on. Um, you know, it's definite Michigan stuff. Lo-fi. Uh, but it, it, it's, there's synth stuff. There's, there's acoustic stuff. Um yeah, they're they're all over the place, but it's like, it's always really, it's always a good, good vibe of just like, put it on and work around the house stuff. I love them. Very cool. gonna, but uh, this is a crazy one that I found up there. I don't know if you guys can see further that. Further instructions. But, uh, Ooh. Further instructions. So this is a a, a one of a kind tape that um Abo from yeast culture sent me oh wow it's actually a a master live tape an evening of garbage <laughs> 728 1989 wow um uh yeast culture the haters amk and black humor wow. holy crap that sounds, sounds like a killer <laughs> yeah and it's just a it's a i've 
God, I even had it. And it's got like these typewritten notes. Um, but it's it's literally just like the raw tape of the gig. Like it's got them setting stuff up, chatting. Oh, wow. Cool, cool. You know, a wow. lot of empty space um, of just people walking around. And um, that's great. No, but listening to a lot of Folkways records, too. Yeah, I was going to say, did you find a fat liner note set, like in this Folkways record? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> but uh, uh, but also Folkways, and, and there's one record on on Cook Laboratories. I've been checking out this ionization mm-hmm. record. Yeah, I almost should have done this, because this is a straight-up noise record, like noise. But that's um, Emery Cook. Have I ever played you guys any Cook Laboratories stuff? They're kind of like brown, translucent records, Reddish, right? Reddish, purple, brown. Yeah, I have like yeah, Voice of the yeah. Sea and some yeah. Test Tone records and a couple other things on Cook Labs. Uh, when I find one in nice shape, I buy it. And, I, and I'm almost certain that yeah, I totally. learned that from you. <laughs> but yeah, the ionization one, it's like um, Earth recordings. It's oh, insane. Cool. Ooh, nice. Killer. But um, yeah, so I've been going through a lot of those... Uh, refiling records so we went back as far back in time as we've gone on this podcast to 1957 and then really even before that because some of these tracks would have been made before that but 57 is when this comp came out and wow what a what a ride yeah yeah i mean some of the tracks are from the 20s yeah Mm -hmm. when did when did you come to this record Deloitte? oh my god so it was uh Mid nineties, probably ninety six, probably ninety seven, because it was in Steve Kenny's bedroom in Ypsilanti. <laughs> very cool. Um, nice. very drunk, very very stoned. Um, and it was it was the first time I ever heard like or you know like stuff this old that was like, um you know, tape manipulations or, or tape affected stuff. Yeah. And, experimental. And the first time I ever saw, you know, scores that were written like with squiggles and stuff. Right. Right. You know, the shape and the, and the feel of the sound written in a score. Those scores rule. That, Those dude, scores are yeah, awesome that, too. Yeah. That, that picture. And then is like, amazing. you know, this picture, like, you know, it was, I was like, Oh my God. God, you know, looking at this guy like back in the 50s and just I I was so overwhelmed when I that I begged Steve to trade it to me for a couple of years before I think he finally gave in and um can't remember what I traded him, but um maybe he'll remember. But uh yeah, it took me a while and um yeah, to this day, the we'll we'll get to it, but that Symphony of Machines is my all-time favorite song ever. The, this Isaac. specific recording of it, I've got I've got other recordings of it, but um, this recording is, and I've 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 gotten the original uh, seventy-eight of it as well. Oh really? Oh, wow. oh cool. Yeah, that that track's amazing. That's the second Doubles. track. The, the, the first track starts off. We're just in Looney Tunes. And you're like, you're, yeah, yeah. You're just like, okay, what did Dillaway get us into? Yeah. Dillaway pick. Yeah. All right. Noise extra. Here we go. Yeah. But it was also kind of perfect. This one doesn't actually have an artist listed. It said not available, I believe. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's weird. It's, um, the liner notes say, yeah, just, I don't know if it says Bonfart. I don't know if that's the the song title or if, if that's the. It is it that's the composer or what is it? Bonfart is German for a rail ride or a train ride. So it's like oh, okay. a, it's a score for like a train ride. I think it's a traditional, yeah. you know, incidental song trolley. for a train ride. You got yeah. it. Yeah, Tunerville exactly. trolley. And so yeah, you, yeah. You the up and down derby. The tone is definitely you're already off to a very strange uh journey uh when you when you when you throw the needle down. I mean, I don't even know yeah. what to say about it other than like think of like you know, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Like it really is. Well, yeah, it's got Woody Woodpecker sounds music. totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's, it's and that just, cow. It's, it's just that <laughs> it was, it's like one of those little boxes that you spin upside down. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. When was the last time you so saw z- one of those? 
yesterday. So Zany Mike knocked over some tulips to I it, did. and I the knocked, water spilled I actually everywhere. Straight up knocked and over we are, a flower we vase. We are dying laughing, and there's just water now or pouring. while you were listening. No, 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 when we were listening, while we were listening and specifically to specifically that track, oh. and so the the sound that was going was this zany Looney Tunes sound. <laughs> I knocked over a vase of flowers, yes. spilled water everywhere, it, and I was it on was just laptop, this crazy box, ma- like, manic like <laughs> scene that this song was the soundtrack. Yeah, to. it was the perfect soundtrack for it. Yes. I, I actually blame the track. Yeah. Um, well, before we start the record, I actually did look in a little bit about Folkways because we haven't covered anything from Folkways oh, cool. yet. So yeah. like the origin of it, it was founded in uh, 1948 by Moses Ash. And basically he had prior to this, he had another record label and it was called Ash Records. Uh, he mm-hmm. started a record label because he was installing a um, an antenna on a Yiddish radio station in New York City um, and then listening to the specific Yiddish radio he got really interested in like niche records so he started his own record label um, he tried to expand too fast and they went bankrupt in 1948 so he had his secretary uh, take out a loan in the record name and her name uh, so thank you Marianne <laughs> wow. Disler his secretary yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's when they founded Folks. Folkways, um, and that was in 1948. Uh, and then in 1987, it was acquired by the Smithsonian Institute. They own the catalog, yep. but he even put in his will um, a few caveats about what he wanted to have happen with Folkways. And he said he never wants any titles removed from the collection because awesome. just because you don't ever use the letter Q doesn't mean it's more important than L. So uh, I thought that was really cool. Very, very cool. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, Folkways is Folkways. a cooler name than Ash Records. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the only yeah. Ash, the only Ash Records thing I have is a, it's a three seventy eight Burl Ives collection. That's just oh, oh, cool. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really, yeah, I I maybe I need to go back to it. But yeah, so after that first track, we do go right into the uh, what Dillaway says is his all time favorite song. So it's yes, uh, Symphony of Machines. Sometimes called Steel Foundry, sometimes called Iron Foundry. Uh, recorded in 1928 in the Soviet Union. And, uh, yeah, they're, 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 it's the thing that's very, uh, um, in, you know, intense about this is it's it, they're using sheet metal for percussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so sick. Oh, you can tell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And man, the, the, like when it comes back around to that first, the first part comes back again and it's just like this, it builds up in a da na 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 so awesome. And I, I, I almost threw up the first time I heard it. Wow. Like straight up, like I got queasy. I was, I was looking at, I was reading a lot of the, the, the liner notes. I was looking at these. I'm look. it was like information overload. Like, yeah. Just like all of this, like kicked in with that song, you know, where we're, we're looking, I'm looking at it and that's like the second song and it hits and it was just the intensity of, of it all just like all hit me at once. You know, this track is, this track is truly like, it, I mean, it, it's industrial and I mean, it is about machines yeah. and it is about, it's about it. You can, yeah. you can really picture like a giant stage because this was yeah iron foundry i believe was the larger um p- the larger kind of like uh work that this is from if i'm not mistaken um and and so i you can just picture a giant stage with like some very like simple imposing you know design on the stage it's, it's a really evocative track yeah. and he a couple of his other um works one of one sounds really really crazy and i'd like to check it out maybe you've have you heard the three children scenes, Dillaway? It's it's another one of his works. I don't think so no. Appara- so it's, I guess like, it's like I haven't gone back. When I first got really into this, I I couldn't find other work by him. The only mm-hmm. thing I have by him is a uh, a piano, a CD of piano stuff, which Very I'm cool. sure now there's probably a lot more. Available. Yeah, maybe there's available, but the the three children scenes the. It was noted that the the it's I think it's like three pieces and the first piece is about a child torturing a cat. That's like what the that's like what it's about. You know, like oh my god. (laughs) So definitely, uh, definitely interested in hearing that. But yeah, the 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 uh, the Iron Foundry uh, 
the Iron Foundry, the whole piece was was considered a, a, a hymn to machine work. So I think yeah. that's like, yeah. re, I mean, that's, indu- that's, his, that's that classic, original industrial. And heavy metal, Soviet. too. It's like, and no pun intended. No, totally. But it's but like, it it's a, a headbanger song. It's yes. a total yes. headbanger song. Do you know what Absolutely. it reminded me Maybe the of, first headbanger song. What it yeah. reminded me of is uh, Stravinsky's Rites of Spring, but not actually... Rites of Spring. Have you ever heard uh, on Gold is the Metal with the Broadest Shoulders? Coil did a version of Rites of Spring called The Last Rites of Spring. No. Which is, Dude, no. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Stravinsky's Rites of String backwards, played backwards. And it's this <laughs> nice. reminded me of that entire like the the vibe evoked by this was that like sinister and bombastic. Well, to go okay. back really far, Stravinsky's Rites of Spring was very inflammatory when it came out due to its pagan roots. So, you know, that one was also deemed to be really dark and sinister it's a really i mean rites of spring is a really dark track played backwards is also really <laughs> really insane and this reminded me of it in terms of i guess the the arrangement the orchestration of it uh and and kind of the vibe but not as not quite as sinister but this one really uh it took that but like so much so that i had to write it in my notes i'm like oh this my reference point for this is rites of spring so if you okay. like steel foundry rites of spring is a great a great thing to check out <laughs> Hell yeah. Ooh. And then we get to we, Dniprostrat. <laughs> Can I, Dniprostrat? Is that a proper pronunciation? Well, Tara looked it up. So it's it's partly a reference to a water water power uh, like plant, right? Well, yeah. I mean, this yeah, is a the... Ukrainian composer. And just like the previous track, um, the Soviet. This um, is the B side of the yeah. 78 Basically. I have. Oh, really? no, no, oh, no, no. Way. It's Masalab on one side and it's this on the other side. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, that's perfect. So it, it makes sense because they would fund, um, the state would fund music, but it would have to be, um, you know, with certain topics like industry and talking about like centralized power and water systems. And that was, you know, very, very common at the time. So to write um, a musical ode to a power station that's going to be a very potent power station it absolutely makes sense and the composer julius matius uh is actually the founder of the soviet opera of the ukrainian soviet opera sorry so he established um, an opera house in ukraine very cool and this has just those great martial rhythms i was i wrote military when it first started and then absolutely then uh mr rogers trolley (laughs) <laughs> ding, ding. it's got those little ding ding like kind of yeah and it made and then it made me think of that story like was mr but then it then i was like wait was that mr rogers or bob ross that there's like some legend that that they were they were uh a member of the military and like after they got out they were like i will never yell at anyone oh, Bob ever Ross. again oh, Ross was in the military. Yeah, it's Bob Ross. Was that Bob oh, Ross? Never, okay, yeah. I've never heard that. I, I, maybe I'd send you photos for it, but in, in my bedroom, aside from my Nick Racevic painting, which we talked about like a, a week ago, uh, there's a painting that my dad made that is uh, Northern Lights. There's an episode mm-hmm. of Bob Ross where he paints the Northern Lights with a cabin, and my dad... Uh, my dad was in Vietnam and uh, took up oil painting uh, later in his life and would make these paintings. And he, he was really into, uh, I think, Alexander Hess and Bob Ross were the two the two like oil painter guys that had PBS shows. So my dad, wow. I have a painting that my dad You have made a fucking Bob Ross painting done by your dad. Yes. In my that's right. so cool. I didn't say that. But that's I, amazing. I know that it's Bob Ross that was in the military because my dad was in the military. And so I, I, I know that those two things are, you know. I remember that my it, it's a parallel with my dad's life, and he also took up oil painting. It's one of those things that's like my dad and Bob that's Ross had amazing. in common. Yeah, I, love I used to carry. Yelling. I used to carry around a laminated photo of Bob Ross in my po- in my wallet in high school. <laughs> what? That's wonderful. That's we important. had a laminating machine in the graphics room <laughs> in high school, and I laminated this thing, and I I still have it somewhere. That's amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. You should frame that and hey, put it, it up really... on my wall. It really preserved it's like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this this definitely has like this track definitely has like you're in an empty Ukrainian like hall, you know, and like it's mm-hmm. it just you just gives you that feel so so much. It's quite I, martial, I, and that's that is great that there's that there's a split a split record with these the, these two tracks. It makes that's perfect wild. sense. Yeah, back when yeah I'll split send pictures to mean something. Yeah, I'll send pictures of it. Very cool. 
And then, uh, you know, probably the biggest name on this compilation, John Cage. Yeah. Yeah. 1944, I think, this track's from, and it's an early um, prepared piano. And what's what's really cool is that later on, um, we're going to get to, um, actually in a couple tracks, we're going to get to uh, Henry Cowell. And yeah. he and uh, Cage was um, directly influenced by Henry Cowell to start doing the prepared piano. Mm-hmm. He said it was his number one mm-hmm. inspiration to do that. Oh, that's so, awesome. Very, very cool connection uh, on this album. I love this track. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's um, it it it's funny. It, it kind of sounds like it reminds me of like when you're a kid and you you start if if I don't know if anyone's a good you know, uh, you you guys have messed around with guitars, but when you start tapping on a guitar, oh yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. tapping, yeah. like yeah. it reminded me of that. You know, like like it just you know, it sounds like someone tapping on a guitar, and also that it it made me think a lot about uh, the Alan Bryant record, the guy from Mev, uh, Music Electronic Viva. He did a record called Space Guitars. That's a lot of like guitar tapping Ooh. stuff. But yeah, this that track reminded me of that. Yeah. This K track though, the the way the rhythms kind of like because maybe it mm-hmm. is it, they just kind of move over each other in this really strange way. Well, and it and it is because he has prepared the piano. So he's he's hanging things off of the strings and changing the damper pads and really just affecting the manner in which it can be played. And so it gets unique sounds like if you have something that jingles dangling dangling off of one of the strings and you play it, then you get that reverberation yeah. naturally. Well, it seems much it's much more of like a percussion piece than a yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels like Gamelon. I yeah. mean, I know it says it yeah. in this uh, extensive liner notes, but it, it really yeah. feels more like a Gamelon orchestra than it does a one person playing a piano, which is yeah, it's, yeah, so, yeah. it's a, very a memorable. Awesome thing to hear is like there's so much different timbre and kind of vibe in the piece that goes uh, beyond feeling like oh, I'm listening to someone play piano because it doesn't just feel like that at all. Neither do these Henry Cowell pieces; they really feel uh, much larger. But between Henry Cowell and John Cage is Edgar Varese. Yeah, oh. which man, why did they fade it out? You know, it's there, such yeah, a it's short. Sh- yes. It, it's so weird. It's like an under a minute long track that feels like it's just getting revved up. Yeah, exactly. It, mu- yeah. it must have been pressed for time. Who knows? But yeah. I mean, it is such a cool it, it it was one where I couldn't believe when it was over. I was like, wait, that it, it builds, it's the cymbal wash. And this percussion crash, and again, there's some even martial type rhythms. If the last song on the B side could go for almost ten minutes, this could have gone for a lot longer and shortened that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously, seriously. <laughs> and you know, obviously, I would say I would say the other probably biggest name, you know, next to John Cage. Yeah, well, because sure. of Zappa, like yeah, every yeah. Zappa yeah. interview, he would bring up this this track. But yeah, it's um, I love how it starts out. I was going to say, there's a really cool, like, Varez quote that I liked. Um, and he was saying that to stubbornly conditioned ears, anything new in music has always been called noise. So when people would challenge him and say that what he was playing was noise, um, I love that response. When he always, he always, he would say that sound is, sound is living matter. And that, and that musical space is open rather than bounded. So he was like, he was definitely like looking at the entire world as as sound and as something to use mm-hmm. for his music, uh, which is so sick. You know, one of the things I like about about music in general and sound, especially with noise, is that it sounds different in every place, on every system, no matter where you listen mm-hmm. to it. Something sounds different in my studio than in my living room, than in my car, than at the Connollys, than on Dillaway Stereo. Like, we all listen to the same record, but we all heard a different record, too, based on our listening environments and our stereos yeah. and all mm-hmm. those things. And so that's that's one of the cool things about this is like you you it's so crazily subjective and we're just talking about our emotions and what we're excited about with this generally. But it's it's one of those things where like I can listen to the same CD you are and they might not sound the same and you might like it for reasons that are specific to your listening environment. And I like it for reasons that are specific to mine. And that's a it's a special thing about sound. And it's amplified with noise where you're focusing on the actual sound instead of sort of song structure and measure and stuff. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that, but it's it's accentuated in a in a thing like this where like we all heard a different record while listening to the same record. 
Well, it, it, this, it's funny. I have a, another story going back a couple of tracks to the Masalov track. Um, I had a close friend here in town, um, this older guy who was a 78 collector, and he was an audiophile, and he had the ultimate 78 setup. You know, it was like a single speaker in his room that was like, you know, everything was was perfect, you know, like how far off the ground it was, you know, mm-hmm. like to what to the to what the room, how big the room was and stuff. So I, I brought that over. He was more of an opera guy, but uh, I brought that over when I got it. I was like, can I hear this on your system? Oh, wow. You know, oh, cool. yeah. And it was crazy. It was so awesome to hear it. It sounded so good. It was nuts. Oh, man. <laughs> and then, again, like a record Properly. you 25 Yeah, I'd never heard years it. Years ago You know, whatever, that, and... like that almost seemed like, I mean, the proper way to hear it would be in a concert hall, I guess. But, but like hearing it on the 78 as, uh, as it was first released, you know, like it's pretty special hearing it it was special it was very special yeah this is the second half of side a now henry cowell i wrote henry downer cowell. i wrote yes. downer mm-hmm. kid kid fucking around and piano <laughs> plucking well these are that's a great way to describe <laughs> oh, it these shit. are my favorite tracks i on love the, on these the album. tracks love uh, these tracks the uh, cowell tracks make me want to hear so much more that he's done because alien harp yes it actually, yeah. when I think Aeolian harp, of course, I think of the the Aeolian wind harp records, right? Like the put them on a hill, let the wind blow through them, and and uh, yeah, resonate so the strings. Aeolian relates to or arriving from an uh, action that'd be of a the good wind. Record to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's also a specific set of islands off the coast of Italy or, or Sicily. Pardon me. Um, but also the Aeolian scale, which I think he's actually playing this harp in is a uh, natural minor scale on the diatonic. And as you may know from reading these liner notes, uh, these guys really are into music theory and intellectualizing what they're doing. This alien harp track rules. It, the liner notes talk about uh, sort of leaning fists, arms, palms across the keys of a piano. And yeah. you can, you can hear and feel that here, but his Dude. real sweet spot for touching this piano comes on the next track. Banshee. Oh yeah. Yeah. But man, people must've been so pissed at him, you know, like think about the people like the, the, the quote unquote real composers of the time, like hearing this stuff and just being like, this is garbage, you know, like they must, it's, I love it. Well, and enough to inspire John Cage, uh, to, to make him do something similar. He, but I've, He probably pissed off more people even. Exactly. That's probably true. Well, and you know what, what Mike and I were talking about a lot is just like these guys, like, I guess this is, you know, right on the cusp of experimenting. And so they they really are trying to do it in an election. In an intellectual way and in a way where they're justifying it. So they're like looking for ways to actually like, you know, write it out and make it playable again and create this whole language surrounding experimental music because they didn't want it to seem like it's off the cuff. They didn't want it to seem like it was something that they just improvised. They wanted to seem um, completely deliberate and in line with all of their like personal goals. And I think that's what's so crazy. And even if like the, the last pages of the explanation of what music concrete is, is like, that was like a gig in itself. It is like the most long winded explanation <laughs> of like, you know, playing like field recordings and tape sounds like during music, but it's like seriously the equivalent of like, you know, a small pamphlet <laughs> and yeah. it's all yeah. very, very dry. But it didn't exist I like to think- back then. Like that's the thing is that yeah. it didn't, this didn't exist. So this is that you have to justify it because there's no precedence for it. And, and that's why this is sort of, I, you know, I joke about nerd shit, but it's truly, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a scene or these people were operating completely outside the realms of what was acceptable and what there was any real support for even by making music like this in unconventional ways it, starting this is 1957 and earlier we're talking about stuff from the 20s here so this is really like 
unusual unknown sounds now you can take it for granted of like oh wow you're playing a piano with some weird stuff hung on hung on it or in a weird way Mm -hmm. but like no one was doing that You, you know how you played piano by like playing a piano sonata not by doing any like weird stuff to it or like you know throwing a bag of rice in there or something like this this is a completely different realm that was not piano and explored and never presented presented as music and here it's presented as music this is music you're listening to and now it's all of these ideas are in pop music oh absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah everything I 20 years ago, I thought that there was a pretty large infiltration of noise in pop music. 10 years ago, I was really surprised at how much noise was in pop music. And now it's it's 2020 and it's insane how like, if you listen to anything like radio friendly music, there's weird elements and production yeah. techniques that have all grown out of what these people were doing a half a century plus ago, 70 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's, Which and we could, it's awesome. we'll definitely get into that more with the Henry Jacobs track, but uh, oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, um, um yeah, I, I thought the the cowl stuff. What did I write? I wrote uh, most abstract so far. Yeah, no, definitely. Really this is. is when things are it getting really weird. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That Banshee track is just like tense and 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 terrifying, haunting. Yeah. Banshee yeah. is is Crazy I think reaper. my favorite track on here period it is it's completely amazing wailing piano ambient scraped plucked sounds like it's bowed uh you know when you smack the side of a a fender amp or something and it's got the reverb in it you get that but it's the piano version you get the like like dropped pianos sound in here like Yeah, yeah it's so heavy and resonant and and spectral and spooky like Banshee is the right name for it because this track has yeah. this ghostly atmosphere to it from the treatment of the piano and tension. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's got that tension. It's it's kind of the the you can kind of hear like uh, I don't know what would become like a staple in like movie music, you know? Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. There's yeah. there's no, I mean. There should be no soundtrack artist living that hasn't heard this, but I'm certain there are because they've heard a thousand things inspired by this that have influenced yeah. the the way they compose. Uh, but this is really this Banshee is if you said you revisit pieces from this often. Is this one of those pieces? Is this one of the things that, that sits with Actually, you? Actually, it's not. The the two that I, I put on like every time I make a mix or is the Moslov and the Henry Jacobs tracks. Those are the two oh, wow. that I'm. Cool. So yeah, this was a kind of a pleasant surprise to go back to these cowl um, tracks because I I've kind of gotten I like when the 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 like kind of prepared piano stuff I felt like when I first heard that stuff it it was cool but I was I was kind of looking for something more you know and mm-hmm. then like going through countless records of hearing like these kind of plink plonk, you know, that kind of thing. Like over the years, I kind of got like, I don't want to hear any more of that stuff, you know? So I've kind of like going back and hearing this now, um, makes me want to revisit a lot of stuff that maybe I, I didn't check out, you know, because I, I was looking for something more, noisy or electronic or something i think these are pretty special examples of of prepared piano though as well like yeah you know i'm sure we both heard plenty of that kind of stuff in these like banshee especially but even even the uh alien harp starts out sort of really pretty and melodic and moves towards uh dissonance and off key uh notes Mm -hmm. but banshee is really like it's a it's a piece of experimental music and that yeah it's sort of the first one to me that really screams that like the ionization definitely sets the tone for you're like, Oh, it's going to get weird. Uh-huh. But Banshee is like, this could be on any, any like you put this on a slaughter tape and it's, it fits in, <laughs> yeah. it fits in. Yeah. It's on, it's yeah, on, it's, yeah. it's abstract, yeah. you know, whatever. So that, that part of it uh, really, really sang to me. But then, we get into another one of my favorite tracks right after, which is the Vladimir Usachevsky Sonic Contours. The mm-hmm. the delay 
on this yeah. thing is so it's so cool, damn beautiful, and so cool and so weird for thinking about how early this record is to hear that it, it could be a. I think a lot of people probably know the caretaker Leland Kirby who who. Uh, I think caretaker is probably one of the one of those things that's found a lot of success for him. And it's it is like uh, it's I think it's like scratchy 78 music. This sort of reminded me of that vibe or like the uh, haunted ballroom, the shining. I was getting um, I was getting I was definitely getting like, yeah, lullaby. That's that's what I was. I was definitely in a I was feeling soothed by this track for sure. Yeah, it's like a little twinkle twinkle with that delay yeah 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 but yeah that's this is the first track too that has like a like tape uh manipulation right or tape effects at least it feels that way yeah well, and, and he i mean or is it even is it no, it mentions I, in the liner notes a device it doesn't say uh tape delay it doesn't say using a reel-to-reel is delay or anything I, like that. I actually read up about these guys, and and <laughs> so uh, you know he was really into using tape delay. He enjoyed um, different things about the effect, but he was a student of Otto Lewining. Um, so Vladimir Sachevsky w- was actually um, a student of the guy that does the next track. And then, and then later, you know, they consider themselves contemporaries. Um, but, but that's how like their relationship originated. They even played a, they played a show together and I, yeah. Yeah. And so basically it was a Chefsky and, um, Otto Luning played at the museum of modern art, uh, at a concert that just like took them to the next level. It went wild. Oh Oh, yeah. 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 They even like made, um, an appearance on the Today Show uh, afterwards because people yeah, because were so of into Fantasy in Space. The track, like, that's got can a you imagine, footage. like yeah, a museum yeah. of modern art performance so much that they're like, we got to have him on the show. <laughs> um, but but yes, he um, he specifically used uh, tape on this. The I mean, uh, Dillaway obviously knows something or two, <laughs> a thing or two about tape delay. Yes. No, that's what I said. I, I he's known as the pioneer of tape and electronic tape music, and yeah. I thought Dillaway would get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> so oh the next track is the auto looning fantasy in space, and oh yeah, this is this is the earliest example to me of a space age bachelor pad music. It's flute through mm-hmm. tape delay and tape manipulation. Yeah. It it really is some. Sort of weird, like Russ Garcia, like Esquivel lounge music. Oh but wow! It took as... you to a different place than me. Oh, this is a I, this is a hundred percent on one of those records. Like this could be. I, oh, I could I can see it. I can hear it now. Yeah. I feel that. But I I thought of it as a horror movie vibe. Like it immediately made me think of uh, Watcher in the Woods. Ooh. You know, I was oh, like, yeah, 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 I was yeah. like, this totally. is this is paranoia. It sounds kind of playful, but there's definitely something wrong. You that know? sounds like my vibe. That's great. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. like I like the the like sinister with the sort of happy, you know, major like sort of upbeat mm-hmm. feeling thing. But this one really, and and one of those things that I guess I I also associate with you, Aaron, is and not that we ever really talked about this in probably all of our years of friendship. Maybe is the incredibly strange music. Oh God! Like, uh, research best. books and to see, <laughs> yeah. so mm-hmm. that that sort of vibe also permeates through this to me and uh, gives me took me to yeah the really the the space age bachelor pad vibe of like the the playfulness is really prevalent in it. The next track's really interesting. The story behind the composer is actually it's really insane. interesting. Oh yeah, man! And I gotta say, I'm very regretful. That I never met him because he was here in Akron, Ohio. A lot of my friends met him. Yeah. No, I never met him. But he made the first quote unquote tape piece ever. Exactly. So So what's kind of an interesting uh, story about him is that the uh, Prince Hassan Tusin, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, of Egypt, heard a piece of his on the radio and 
and more or less kidnapped him and not not maliciously kidnapped yeah. him but basically it was like you got to come with me mm-hmm. we got to like jam and so the prince of egypt and this and and um halim al-dab like jammed together and that's what got him kind of more he 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 took it to the next level kind of after that and he discovered the wire recorder um, when he on a radio station in Cairo, the Middle East radio station in Cairo. And that's when he started using that to jam on. And then, yes, he ended up uh, moving forward. That was in the 40s. Moving forward in the 60s, he taught at Kent State. He was actually at Kent State uh, for the, um, you know, for the shooting at Kent State. It's crazy. He had been there for that. And then, then yes, he, 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 he continued the rest of his life. In, in the states and and but you you said people you know did meet him Dylan? yeah lisa moralia i know it spent some time with him and and i think a few other people yeah because he passed cool. away maybe three or four years ago oh. not too, and, um, yeah not too long ago yeah well he seems very cool i don't know anything about this composer however my notes say i can get with this yeah. And that's it. That's all I wrote for this one. It's like a it's got a chocolate monk vibe to it. Kind of mm-hmm. like it's it's got this like free form improvised raw frantic. It it sounds like a one man band. But like yes. a guy a yes. guy trying to play everything at once just like <laughs> like not really like worrying about like getting it uh getting it precise but just like I got to I got to you know, get my hand inside this piano here at the same time I hit this drum over here. It's just, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it sounds like a, a, a rough, raw one man band. And this, that's the, that is the final track on the A side, correct? Yes. So we flip it over and we get, we get a little more Vladimir. We get four more pieces by Vladimir Zajewski. Yeah. On this but side. I, th- I think this first, the first note of this this track that's is noise. the first yeah that's the first thing that sounds electronic mm-hmm. totally. Track, yes. like totally electronic the first you know? and last yes. notes of this piece actually the first note and then yeah. that super super pitched down pitched down version which is just like bass oscillation you can hear the waveform yeah. on that last one you can hear it modulate and it's so cool the the first track is is just noise and the second track the second hit is just noise and then it starts to move through the pitches well you're like this is a piano yeah 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 you start to realize the first track is sounds like static it's high nasty static and then it starts to move down and then when you get to the lowest note on it it is so drawn out and heavy and you can really really hear just the the waveform you can actually hear like a sine wave going and on he for this says thing. In, it rises and falls it's really in later crazy. interviews he says that he doesn't like to use synthetic voices and that he only starts with actual instruments so he always starts with the recording and then moves on from there so the same sound that's in um let's see here so the the second track reverberation uh mm-hmm. is on underwater waltz they're the same source uh, reverberations yeah. and the composition is from transposition um it's the same um notes that he's been using so he liked to the recording function that he could change the um octaves and the speeds to alter the notes that rules uh, for- yeah it the reverb on these is just crazy it's, for it's reverberation, so I, yeah. I wrote, I mean, because of the title of the piece, it's exactly what you think it is. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking that when I said that, that the track is, I mean, it's an example. It's him giving an example of Yeah, this is, some of this is, that's the thing about this record is that uh, the first part is compositions and the B-side, I guess we should mention that, yeah. the B-side is sort of a, a demonstration uh, example uh, use in in practical theory and practicality of these sounds. So, the Vladimir Suchevsky pieces are transposition, reverberation, composition, and then underwater waltz, a piece he made from these sounds. Those and pieces, so yeah. You you're getting uh, you you're getting sort of a class in here's a sound. Now here's how you can apply this sound or this technique, and that's a really cool thing to think of. This record is 1957. 
and they're showing you how these practices can be used in music. And you don't have to make a piece just of one piano note on tape slowed down 10 times. You can use that in your own piece and use those ideas to make something new. So this is sort of a not only informative and instructional, but it's it's a it's non-music and it's a piece that's sort of an instructional informative piece. It is showing you yeah. how these weird ideas could be used to make something from start to finish. And um, I put on the, the underwater waltz has the most classic delay. You know, yes, it's just totally. like, <laughs> ch- 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 it's like, and it's probably the first time anyone ever heard delay like that. You know, right, right. it's so fun. Like, yeah, like I kept thinking I was missing it. And then I realized like, no, he's, he's demonstrating delay. Like, can you yeah. imagine a world without delay? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> Not a world what? I could live in, by the way. A world without <laughs> reverb. Are you kidding? Then we come on some natural pipes. Oh yeah. The, 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 that one was really funny. Cause they're like 24 tracks or seconds, yeah. eight seconds. Well, but they're, but they're but sound. Then, oh man. Yeah. But then but those natural pipe tracks also like, yeah, there's three tracks, but there there's no it seems like there's no reason for them to be three no, tracks. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, wait, what's it takes a while to even realize if something's going on and then like Yes. What? Yeah. My, and it's my pipes notes on for trees. The first one, hell yeah, pipes. My notes on the second one, again. And my notes on the third one is I mean, come on, pipes. Well, the the, the fr- my notes for the first one are, yep, sounds like someone hitting pipes. And then my notes for the second one, I don't have any because I couldn't tell when it was starting or what. Yeah, you think it's this first track. But um, but then the, the, the third track, uh, which is actually like a five, four minute piece. Um, it's these are some of my favorite sounds ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 the sound of of bells and gongs and wind chimes on your porch. And, um, and then it's got those weird kind of scruffy domestic sounds of someone just like shuffling around in the room doing Mm -hmm. something, you know, it's a, it's a raw raw track. Well, the two guys who did it, um, Frederick Ramsey Jr. is an American jazz writer, uh, and he made field recordings and interviewed rural musicians for other um, folkways sessions. Uh, and he also wrote a book called Jazz Man. So I thought it was really interesting that he his specialty is Is that jazz. about the Simpsons? The Bleeding <laughs> Gum Smurfy? Is, jazz Man. It is actually, yes, 100%. With the foreword by Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but this is cool. And this track was done by like hanging... Exactly. I mean, it's basically what you're describing. It really is that, like, and literally just, on a tree. Yeah, recording the the sounds of them hung on the trees and stuff. So it's so, super cool. Yeah, yeah. Experimental I, to the extreme. It reminded me. I have, uh, you know, I as you guys know, I grew up on a farm, and uh, we had my my. I don't know where the bell came from. I don't know if it was there when my my mother was a. A little kid, but I I grew up in my the same house my mother grew up in. She bought my grandparents' house when uh when I was a kid, but we had a giant uh bell out outside by the back door that was the dinner bell. I know that. You know, bell. To, to, do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Oh yeah, I remember that bell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of with my parents have sold the house, and I'm kind of pissed I didn't tell them I wanted the, the bell. I guess it's kind of better. Oh. It stays with the house, but um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I used to just hang out and just ring that bell over and over. <laughs> I bet you did. All that, the time. I, I 100% Absolutely, believe I'm sure you, you did. Yeah. Is there tracks where there's not him talking? Where, 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 the, where these tracks that he's playing, like, is there just raw tracks of that anywhere? Not that I know of because he was like everything that mostly the, his stuff that's been released is like, uh, um, he did radio programs. Right. And so a lot of them are just these long sound collages, you know? So it'll have, I think the piece is in the middle of this, you know, it's, he's talking and then he's like, and yeah. here's the track sonata for loudspeakers, you know, and yeah, then it goes through all of that. There is music. 
yeah, and then it goes back to that. Um, but uh, no, I I totally lost my mind when I first heard this, and I was and just thinking of of what people must have thought. This was recorded in 1953, right? And I mean, I guess you know that was another thing I pointed I, or I I wrote down about this record is there's not really electronics on it, which there was you know the the theremin was a thing at this point, um, but it's not. It's not on any of these. And, and this stuff, um, this, these, these tape loop demos are like, I can't imagine hearing it then. What it, mu- it must have sounded so alien and so um, just unnatural, you know? Like, oh, yes. and it is. Yes. It, it, it's, it's, uh, I just can't, and, and that was one of the other things that just like split my head in two when we were listening to this for the first time. And, and I, I just couldn't, I, I was trying to put myself in the place of someone hearing it back then and just being like, what is this? You know, this is, you're crazy. <laughs> this is, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Like aesthetically, like, and personally, I like listening to, I like, tape i like that hiss i like i like the crudeness of splice you know a raw splice you know um and yeah i just this this uh this track i you know i've done a couple um lectures recently i always play this always you know it's awesome this is kind of ground zero for me for tape loops you know? How do people react? And I mean, I, you for, for everybody, really, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But virtual reality is very much becoming a thing that's accessible to people on, on you know, it used to be uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for something, and now you can do virtual reality in, with a few hundred dollars in your home with yeah. a mask and some, some uh, gloves or, you know, hand utensils. And that's becoming a more affordable and reasonable situation for this stuff. And that's a way that you can experience music that's, that takes you out of your, you're not sitting in your living room listening to a record. Now you're standing on the edge of a cliff listening to a record. And like, (laughs) yeah. It's like people who who do that stuff. It's like, you're, you feel like you're riding a roller coaster and you feel like it, you feel like you're at the edge of a ledge. You feel like it. Cause it's, you look down and you're looking down and there's no, there's no safety net. So that's, that sort of thing to me is sort of where music can go next is in becoming a virtual reality Thing. I don't know how noise changing the interpret it, but yes, it's changing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's not just changing what's going in your ears, but changing what's going through through the rest of your reality, your tactile sensations. Hey, and, context and is what, what we were seeing. discussing. <laughs> Diloy, what a cool record! I mean, this is this is this is the roots. I mean, this is a very yes. distant roots of what you know what we do cover on this podcast. I mean, this is experimentation. This is making sounds out of things that aren't supposed to make those sounds, you know, but also even the composition, even like that, the, uh, you know, the steel foundry track. I mean, it is the emotions and the feelings and the, and the, the atmosphere it conjures up is very much, you know, go, you know, goes right through to Mm -hmm. what what we discussed. Because, because I, and I never thought about this when I played it for someone, I can't remember who it was. But they were like, oh, I can see why you like this. It sounds like tape loops. It sounds like you. It sounds like your mm-hmm. music. Yeah. And it's funny because I never, I mean, I always thought of that piece as my favorite piece of music, but I never tried to make music like it. You know, it was just, it, it, I think, just somehow naturally my music sound it well, it's just in there yeah. it's in you it's in you and so all your it's it goes into your brain gets mixed around in there and then comes out you know into what you do so and it's, it's this, it totally fits the spirit of exploration you know yeah. like you were searching for something and looking for it and like maybe you came up with an answer that's that's adjacent to something that they did but yeah. you know it's it's that that person that's just looking for that that new thing or, you know, something that you feel inside, not something that you're already hearing. Super fun. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my this God, was so much fun. This is like, so yeah, much. The, such a fun hang. And it's really good to see your face too. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. You guys yeah. too. E- even yeah. if it's through a screen. So yeah. next time, hopefully we'll, we'll be in person. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Flesh heck faces. yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a, I, I'm 
maybe a little probably I bet this will come out a little bit before the the folkways thing but I'm doing a a mix for Smithsonian folkways um killer uh or not a mix but a playlist for like Spotify or whatever but um, of my favorite folkways tracks so awesome we'll we'll make sure to if it will we'll obviously send that out um yeah and obviously Hanson Records everyone you know Oh yeah, physical, yeah. I have a record shop. Yeah, physical, <laughs> yeah. physical got a label, store, got a record as store. well as you know, order. Right now, it's kind of like we got um, Roberts, Roberts doing the Discog stuff, and I'm doing the Bandcamp mm-hmm. stuff. So it's kind of uh, we take turns going into the shop, getting supplies, and then we work on the stuff at home and pack up stuff. And well, so yeah, mail order's still open. Perfect. We'll obviously order put links up to all that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, always awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much. Talk talk soon. soon. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices. And by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. And your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra on the web at noise extra.com. One E in those and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.